What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I lead marketing at The Juice. It's an exciting week at The Juice. We put out an industry report that you have got to read. It is the state of the B2B podcast listener report, all coming from data from The Juice to help us answer the question, what do consumers want from their branded podcast? This was a labor of love. I had so much fun putting it together and learned a ton about people like you. The other side of this, if you want to check out this report, it'll be in the show notes. Join the Juice, the largest library of marketing and sales resources that's curated for you. Excited about this, but also excited about today's conversation. Joined by Chief Marketing Officer Michael Lundgren, who is the leader at responsive, formerly known as RFPIO. They just went through a big rebrand. I always find rebrands so fascinating. And what we do is explore the decisions around the rebrand from the CMO perspective. We talk about internal and external alignment, decision-making. I think there's a lot of good nuggets in this one. If you like what we're doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a marketing friend that you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. I am excited for this conversation. So the topic we're going to be unpacking today is exploring the decisions to rebrand from the CMO perspective. I got a chance to catch up with uh, our guest today a couple of weeks ago and currently in the process of just finalizing, we're getting into that, a rebrand himself at the company he works for. So we're going to share his insights and learnings along the way. But I'm joined by Michael Lundgren, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Responsive. Michael, welcome. How are you? Brent, uh, great great to be here with you. I'm uh, doing really well. Just excited about today's conversation. Yeah. And I, I said this to my team when the rebrand ha- happened with Responsive that it seemed like it for, for me, and I know this isn't the case for you as someone who was kind of quarterbacking and leading the charge, it seemed like the rebrand from RFPIO to Responsive it happened seamlessly. It was like one minute I was seeing RFPIO and the next minute I seen was seeing responsive. And it probably wasn't just a flip of the switch, but I will just say kudos because it, it seemed like on my end as someone who watches the brand as kind of a seamless transition. You know, thanks so much for saying that. And, you know, kudos to the responsive team and our various partners in terms of driving the rebrand. Uh, from my perspective, it went it went super smoothly as well, which was a very nice thing, including going live with the website and everything else. And it was very well received by customers, prospects, and the ecosystem as a whole. But, but yes, it, it was nice that it went smoothly. So maybe like, Talking a little bit about you, because I think it will help set the stage on like why rebrand and getting into everything that we want to talk about. But I popped over on LinkedIn and saw just like went to your profile and, you know, you classify yourself as kind of like a hyper growth CMO based on kind of your experiences and what you've done, which I think when I think of growth, obviously I'm a brand guy, I think of brand, but I think a lot of people don't associate like a brand or a rebrand with growth. So maybe just like as you kind of define yourself as hyper growth CMO, one of your first orders of business at is at responsive is kind of rebrand. Talk a little bit about like kind of the the connection points between you know growth and brand from your perspective. You know, from my perspective, a company's 
name, which is obviously a key element of the brand, is the most important part of its positioning and can play a huge role in its overall growth of, you know, prospects. And so you know, when I was originally introduced into RFPIO, I thought, hmm, that seems a little bit niche It's It's a great name, but it seemed like the company is very focused on kind of a point solution, helping organizations respond to RFPs. When I started to meet with founders and learn more about the company, I sort of realized that the value proposition went way beyond just helping with RFPs to include enabling organizations to put their best foot forward on a variety of different use cases. So RFPs, security questionnaires, due diligence questionnaires, RFIs, et cetera, all of which are business impacting. And so it occurred to me that the brand name itself was limiting to the company's growth. And that there was an opportunity to potentially come up with a new name that would be more reflective of its overall value proposition. And so based upon that, that became one of the, the early conversations. And, and uh, as I understood more about the company, I started to realize mm, this could actually be pretty interesting. My background from a brand perspective actually started when I was at Apple. I joined Apple right before Steve Jobs came back. And at the time, I was trying to understand like, hey, how's this company going to be successful? I opted to go to business school right at that time. And then Steve, Steve came back and he um, came back with the, basically the, the campaign around Think Different and then took Apple back to its roots of providing an amazing experience to remember the IMAX and just an incredible uh, simplification of the overall value proposition. So I saw there like the power of the brand. My first software company was a company called Blue Martini Software founded by Matej Wieben, one of the fastest growing enterprise software companies in history. And he named, you know, named the company Blue Martini Software, and that was a super memorable name. And uh, that actually helped us from a growth perspective, just being so memorable and so distinctive. You know, later in my career, I was at Adobe, at Adobe and had the opportunity to lead marketing for Adobe Acrobat Connect Pro, which, believe it or not, was our web conferencing solution. That name wasn't helping us communicate our value proposition, so we moved to Adobe Connect which helped us scale a lot, a lot faster. And then addition, you know, I that DocuSign, which is a name that worked really well also. But throughout my career, I've seen the power of a simple brand communicates a value proposition and how important that can be in terms of unlocking growth. So one way to answer your first question. No, but so I think it's fascinating that you brought this up during kind of the hiring process as just something based on your experience that, and you just ran through the gamut of like companies and products that you you know worked worked on or worked for and the positioning behind it. But this is something like you noticed right away. I'm curious, like something as significant as a rebrand and like also just changing the name of the company. Like, how do you even present that or bring that up to founders, people hiring you, those stakeholders in a way that's not going to ruffle any feathers, but make a good impression and an impression maybe that's uh, intended to drive significant change for the business? Yeah, it's such a great question. I think it really was a conversation or set of conversations and a dialogue around the overall value that the company was delivering to the customers. And so RPIO had an amazing set of companies as customers already, Microsoft, SAP, Google, BlackRock, and others. And they were using, all these companies were using RPIO in different ways, but it's around responding to use cases. And so as we talked about, as I talked with the founders about really the next phase of the company's evolution, 
brand came up as you know something we should explore. And they and they responded saying like, yes, they'd been thinking that RPIO as name had potentially become too limiting, wasn't clear like when to rebrand or how to rebrand. And so but there was an openness and kudos to the founders for, for that. One of the things that we did do is you know, really acknowledge and celebrate our roots. I mean, the original name RPIO was a fantastic starting name for the company because it didn't clearly communicate the focus on RPs. So that was really actually helpful. And it's you know, named in the most important part of positioning is very effective. However, the company now from the name, I generally would guide against rebranding a company because it's huge amount of work and RPIO had a great brand, but it you know, it really become limiting. And so, and the founders saw that. And so there was an openness to um, exploring uh, a rebrand. So when you came on board, you knew this was something that, uh, based on your experience that you wanted to do because of all of the reasons that you just stated. I'm curious, just the communication with new team members that you have. And obviously, like you come in and there's a rebrand or a name change, that's that's going to maybe cause some people to be like, what's this new guy doing? Like, do we really need to do this? Um, but I'm curious, just based on your past experience of leading teams and leading teams through change, like what that communication and process look like? It was really a, a broader socialization and, and just, you know, and, and then also just dialogue with folks internally, internally along the lines of like, hey, listen, it, it seems to me like there may, it may make sense to, you know, to evolve the company name, what do you think? And so asking, you know, folks in sales and product and customer success and marketing, and then pretty much universal feedback was, yeah, it makes sense to go ahead and, and you know, make change. And so that is, you know, that's how I kind of started to socialize it. So that was one thing. The second thing though, too, is I didn't come in with just, you know, like, hey, from day one, hey, we need to rebrand. That's the first thing we need to do. We actually aligned internally on a on strategy, like a robust strategy for the company, because they also some big moves. And those included like aligning on a core narrative. So how we're going to talk about our value proposition, introducing value-based selling, introducing a quarterly launch sequence. And so the brand was one of our big moves, but it was within the context of other nearer term things that we started to execute against. And I think when we started to show results against some of those, those early moves, it made it easier to um, draw an alignment around steps to do the rebrand. I'm super fascinated by this and just like the uh, harmony behind the the big moves that you made and called out. Did, did you know just like the timing of those moves and whether it's value-based selling, you know, new positioning, uh, rebranding, like the timing of when like you were going to begin those initiatives and the stakeholders behind it, like did you have a vision for what you thought would line up and kind of fit and be the most impactful for the rebrand process? Or was it kind of just like day by day as I'm sink, sinking my teeth into this, meeting new people, un, unpacking these initiatives, f- figuring out how this work gets done? You kind of made those decisions kind of on the fly. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, working with a team, we definitely developed kind of a vision and a plan. And I think at a high level, the most important thing was to align on the strategic focus areas, which we did. Also to introduce OKRs to help drive alignment in terms of focus and execution. But from a vision standpoint, you know, I started in November 2022 and um, we set a company kickoff and sales kickoff for the beginning of February. And I knew we wanted to land 
a core narrative, and then some of these big moves like bringing those up by then. We also had landed on this theme of one team, one mission. So we're really trying to build upon that partnership between sales marketing, product, customer success. And so those were part of the broader vision. But Brett, one of the key things that I observed early on is that our sellers were all engaging with prospects in different ways. Some were talking about RPO as, a, as an RFP solution. Some were talking about it as a knowledge management solution. Some were talking about it as a content library. Some were talking about it as sales enabling. And so my view was like, okay, job number one is for us to align on how we talk about the company. And so that became the core narratives. That was the, the, the most important thing initially. And so we worked to develop that and uh, in a very simple dialogue where we could engage with customers and prospects and along the, what we ended up terming the response challenge. And so what are the response challenges that you have? Kind of articulated those and then said, we would say, okay, yeah, we hear those from other companies as well. And then here's a way to address that. Here's the business impact. So we lined on that narrative. The, other, the second part of this kind of broader vision and plan was, in, especially in today's market, it's really important to be able to articulate the value in a CFO credible way that a solution delivers. And so that led to value selling. And so it could go on, but we came up with seven big moves, one of which was the rebrand. And I knew that we wanted to try to land that in the first half of 2023. And so... We kicked off efforts with like an agency and an eager intro process to get that going in parallel with everything else. I want to get into the name and kind of how you landed on responsive. But before I do that, you said something there that I don't want to gloss over. And that's uh, listening to the the sellers and how they were all saying different things. I think most of us as marketers think about like our website as like the first place where we think about our brand or positioning, or it could be in our social channels if we've got a big LinkedIn presence, but maybe oftentimes we don't think about maybe the most important brand channel as our sellers. Maybe talk a little bit more about that and like how value how how much you valued that feedback before, you know, going through this and, and making the decision to kind of jump into the responsive world? I mean, in my view, the sellers were doing an amazing job growing the business and engaging with prospects. And they were trying to really understand customer needs and then fashion a dialogue online to meet those needs. The challenging part was that we weren't, you know, since I, as I talked with the team and, and based off on you know, previous career experiences, it was really clear to me that we, we, we were not enabling the team as well as we could to engage in a dialogue that really was going to resonate with the customer and could hi- and, and highlight very crisply our value proposition and why customers chose, you know, RPIO. And so it was both a combination of like utmost respect for the team, particularly the innovation the team brought to bear in terms of the way in which it was engaging with prospects, but also a realization like, hey, listen, marketing can help and we can partner on this and align on the dialogue. So we developed the core narrative threat working hand in hand with our sellers and then pulling in input from our, you know, a number of our top customers. And then it was an iterative process. And it was really about driving a conversation with prospects versus, hey, let us tell you about our, you know, features. It was really about a dialogue with the prospect around things that really matter to them. And so the sales team in the spirit of one team, one mission, you know, really bought in to the process and made it possible for us to develop a core narrative that it, it, you know is we're leveraging extensively today 
and is super effective at driving at driving those conversations. And so, in fact, the narrative, we got the narrative done before we made any changes to the website, which were part of the rebrand. So uh, the name, how I think we, there's so many names in software and everyone, it, it is the most important thing. I think as you stated up front, that's what we remember first and foremost, especially when we're scrolling through LinkedIn and seeing what people are posting and where they work. We we never forget the the brand name. Talk us through a little bit about the process on how you landed on responsive and maybe what that means for the organization. So the first thing that we've already covered is we, you know, we drove internal alignment at the, uh, across the company like, hey, we need to work through rebrand. So we had that general agreement. The second thing we did actually was we brought in an agency, uh, Barry Hoffer, and I'd met, I'd worked with Matt Hoffer at my previous company, Seismic, on some rebranding. And so the importance of bringing in an agency was that they brought, helped us with a process for going through a rebrand effort, they brought pattern matching and they also brought great ideas. But we kind of kicked things off with them doing a whole bunch of interviews and then coming back with findings and then working to align on a vision, mission, value statement as the foundation for the brand. And that's that was critical. And it was and we wanted to communicate like we wanted the brand company to really be reflective of why and you know our ecosystem in particular our employees were so passionate about the company. And so it kind of went through that. And then and then that led to ideation around the names. We came up with a whole bunch of names externally and internally. We actually had someone internally come up with the name responsive. And we almost went with a different name. So I can tell you about that if you'd like. But we landed on responsive. And the reason we love responsive is it does such a nice job communicating our broader value proposition, just helping customers respond really effectively across a variety of use cases to their customers. And then we also love the trait of being responsive. You know, that that's something like I aspire to be more responsive every day. And it's just, it's just a great trait, right? And so, but it was really through, I, you know, looking at a whole bunch of different names and then dialoguing with a cross-functional team, including sales and marketing and, and our agency and executive leadership to land on on the name itself. And, it, and again, it really tied back to a very simple name. I will share that I geek out, geeked out a little bit and built a model uh, with the team. And we had our list of like 20 you know, top contenders and we had a variety of different dimensions that we weighted and then used that to help us sort of analytically try to come up with a, a name as well. But it's, it's an analytical process and also an emotional process. Do we connect emotionally to, to the name? That's awesome. I would imagine once you go through all of that, you've uh, built everything out, you've landed on a name, you like take a deep breath and it feels like, okay, we're finally, this is over. This is exciting. But my, my guess is probably how you feel is like, we're just kind of getting started. Like this is just getting started because we've got to not only roll this out with our people, but we've got to share this out in the world and get everyone, all of our external stakeholders to understand not only the name change, but why we're doing it. Maybe talk a little bit about like once the dust had settled, you have a new name, talk a little bit about the internal and the external activation of it. Yeah, I thought, so a couple of things on this one, I thought once we had the name, like we, that we had, you know, that was a huge milestone. I didn't realize how much work the logo would take. That was a ton of work as well. And just, and then the visual identity associated with that. And so that became, you know, huge work streams in themselves. But in terms of internal, we had set up a cross functional, we had a marketing work 
working team and a cross-functional working team that we kind of brought along in the, pro- in the process and, and kind of helped throughout. And, we, and it went from aligning on vision, mission, value proposition, name, and then logo. And then working with these various teams to surface the different things that needed to happen. And so it was like getting the right parties to the table in the right forums. That was the key thing. The second key thing was working to, you know, going ahead and setting like, like a target date and kind of working toward that. Third thing was this notion of MVP. So we aligned on this notion of like, like we, there's a minimum set of things that we need to go live, the MVP. And so that was the updated website, press release, the messaging around it, the activation internally and externally, but then there's a whole bunch of fast follow And the reality is you can't do it all at once. And that's the thing I learned at Adobe with, with Adobe Connect. We chose what we were going to go live with and that helped to make it smooth. It, but part of the transition was responsive, formerly RPIO, which is in some of our marketing. So, and then on the, the external activation, it was really outreach to you know, analysts and getting input and customers during the, you know, some of the key steps of the process, including identifying the need. We pre-communicated to customers a week before that we're going to go live. We focused on July 17th as a go live. We went live with our website the Friday before, uh, did a soft launch just to make sure everything was working. Fortunately, it was, so kudos to the team. And then uh, the morning of, we did the, you know, the press release, the social application, and we'd also done some pre-briefing of, of, of press, particularly in, the, uh, in advance. We got some great coverage. I mean, it's just an amazing story of, you know, three Indian co-founders and an engineering lead, you know, driving the growth of the company with amazing customers that started started in India. Like that's where it really resonated. And then the, the rebrand from RFPO like response was, was like real use. So that was part of the activation as well. I'm curious on that, like the storytelling and, you know, the when you do something as significant as a rebrand and a relaunch, like you you have your places where you go, customers, uh, analysts, press, all these places, and you're just not sure who's where it's going to stick, right? You're hoping it sticks with a lot of them. But like, how did, did you know that, those pitches to those uh, sources in India were going to have maybe the track, get you all the traction that you were looking for, or was that a surprise to you? Talk a little bit about that. It was a little bit of a surprise in terms of the amount of coverage, but it was I was confident that we would get coverage because it's such an amazing story. There, I mean, a very hot emerging SaaS company. And the, the the origination story again of you know the Indian co-founders you know building a company that's like has some of the world's top brands as customers and the value we're delivering in how we evolve from RFPIO to responsive and are actually driving you know the creation of a new category we're calling strategic response management like that the category creation the overall momentum of the company the brands that we're already you know, you know, providing our solution to all of that is just such an amazing story. And so that really resonated. And so it was great to, it was great to see that pick up and the following opportunities. I mean, the founder and, and our founders, and I've been invited to, you know, different panels to kind of share some of the things that we've learned along the way, which I got to tell you, it's incredibly energizing, especially in India where it's just incredibly energizing. So it was a bit of a surprise, but but incredibly gratifying. Maybe share a little bit about the ro- 
roadblock roadblocks that have popped up. I'm sure, or I'm, I don't want to make assumptions, but not every launch or rebrand or you know whatever you're putting out there goes perfectly. Um, you are responsive, so I'm sure you're <laughs> responsive to the roadblocks that exist and how to overcome them. Maybe share shed some light on what what you faced or any stories uh, so far as you've rolled out the new brand. You know, first roadblock is should we should we make a change? And I think that that uh, it really wasn't much of a roadblock, but often can be. And so, like a clear articulation of why you need to make a change in buy-in was really important. Second roadblock is not having necessarily the internal experience or capacity to drive the raw execution. So work with agencies like the Bearhofer on the branding side, Position Square on the digital side, some of the consultants uh, that we worked with. But dealing with it, like the capacity was the second roadblock. And third, it was the naming itself. Like we had to like get legal about, you know, legal approval and do the trademark search. And so there are lots of ways that can go sideways, like acquiring the responsive.io um, URL through me like that, that was a negotiation. And, you know, so, so figuring that out, you know, the, the name itself, like, you know, there was internal debate about the name, which we had to work through. And then it took a long time to figure out the logo and that became like a, a bottleneck. What we ended up doing is parallel pathing as much as we could. Mm. And I was like, yeah, we're going to have to bring in the logo. I will say, cause I've been, I'm, you know, I've, I've been reflecting upon our overall experience and I'll, I'll say that the, um, our company values play a massive role in us being successful. And I think, you know, they're really simple, you know, delight our customers. And so we thought about our customers and everything that we did and the name, and then we talked to our customers to get their input. That's the first. The second one is to be agile and nimble. And so this notion of like MVP moving quickly, leveraging agencies that really helped us give back time. Like we, where possible, we shorten meetings, say something, see something, say something. That was massively important because I asked our, our head of creative at one point, like, hey, how are you feeling about this one name? He said, like, hmm, I think it's okay. But, you know, we thought about response. It's like, hmm, we literally, Brett, we're down the path with another name. It's like, you know, we took a step back and we, like, really reevaluated it. And it was quite late in the game. And CEO Ganesh was very open to reevaluating it. The team as a whole was open to it. And so we landed on responsive and that, that I credit that, that core value. And then the, the last one, get it done. There's so much work to do, but I think the trying to focus on just what really matters was critical as well. And so that set of cultural values, I, 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 it's, the, it's the best example to me of where a company set of cultural values directly, directly impacted how successful a major initiative in our case, the rebrand was. And so that was that was really cool. Not something I anticipated, but is very apparent to me kind of after the fact. So maybe we close out here and I'm sure you've shared some of this uh, through your uh, storytelling of the rebrand and the reasons why, but I'm curious and hopefully just anyone who's listening who might be going through a rebrand or considering it can gravitate to this, but I'm just curious, like CMO coming in, like rebrand happening, big, big shift, a lot of good things happening. Like what, what are your goals? Like you're reflecting now, like what are your goals with this rebrand? And maybe like, where do you think this takes responsive a year or two or three from now? I mean, if we zoom out, the, the fundamental objective of, I think of a CMO is to help the company basically emerge as a very clear category leader and develop, and develop a commanding position in a defensible segment. That's how I think about it. 
and it's hand in hand with the sales organization and the product organization. And it's really around, you know, the spirit of hypergrowth, which you mentioned earlier, it's like driving very rapid growth of the company. And so that's the context for doing a rebrand. If it's not in the direct service of driving that commanding position in defensible segment and helping the company become a breakout category leader, it shouldn't be done, right? If it if it does, and it's like important to unlocking growth, then it makes sense. So that's that's the broader context. The second thing is I would not start off with a rebrand because it's there's so many different complicated factors associated with it. Gotta chalk up wins with other things and build credibility, particularly with company nutrient organization. That's why the core narrative is so important. That's why value selling was so important. You know, as I think about responsive kind of moving forward, one of the things I'm so excited about is the name is helping open up, well, it's helping us properly position the company within this new category that we're driving. It's moving from response management to strategic response management, which includes RPS, due diligence questionnaires, you know, security questionnaires, and so on. As we talked about, it's helping us. Um, it's also driving much better conversations with prospects and existing customers. And so we're hearing stories now of our initial champion being willing to introduce us into other parts of the company, like the, from the proposal team into the security team, because of that broader proposition where they couldn't before. Right? They couldn't go like. Hey, we have a solution called RFPIO, which we think could help you with your security questionnaires. That that conversation would never happen, right? But hey, we have a solution responsive that could help you know you in helping help with security questionnaires. It's also become like a C level conversation. Responsive as a key must have go to market solution. And so where I see us in two to three years, maybe in faster is a very clear leader in this emerging new category of solutions called strategic response management, where we're a platform that's supporting a company's broadest and most important set of response use cases, ranging from RFPs to security questionnaires to ad hoc responses, but really is the key enabler of the team or a company and being able to put its best foot forward. I'm incredibly excited about the prospects here. I see a lot of parallels to this. I saw when I went to DocuSign when we had 180 employees and grew to 2,500 in IPO six years later. Like I see a lot of parallels here, and um, which is why I've been so excited to be part of this company. Super exciting stuff happening with the responsive team. Michael, thanks so much for sharing everything that is going down with the rebrand. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. Super fun. Thank you. Hearing the story, hearing the process, I like where responsive netted out. Really good brand, good look and feel. Love the people over there. They're doing an unbelievable job of creating awesome content and using the juice to help distribute it. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More Modern Day Marketer on the other side.